Welcome to the Keel Hauled Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today. So tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, it is the end of the month, March episode for the Gold Hoarders for Sea of Thieves. So those who are in the Patreon captains tier are invited each week, or not each week, at the end of uh, every month to come in to sit down to chat about Sea of Thieves, to get some opinions in here. We're going to be talking a lot about sea forts as far as uh, you know how people are liking them. Uh, we talk a lot about toxicity versus uh, sweats. Um, if you're not sure what we're, what I mean, we're, we'll kind of dive into the, the terminology or, or the definitions for that because it seems to be uh, a pretty big topic going into uh, the closure of arena. And as a result, I think a lot of us have some feelings on that. So we're going to be talking about that as well as some overall impressions and uh, just a couple other topics that we dove into. So sit back, relax. It's great to hear from the uh, gold hoarders. They are the patrons. They are the ones supporting me. And I would not be able to do this or I wouldn't be able to actually go to Sea of Thieves Fest if not for them. And I got to say, so far, I am impressed. I am just blown away. Right now, we are at 48 patrons, which I didn't think was a, a really an, a, a really a possible thing to be doing. Uh, but that's where we're sitting. It'd be amazing to get to 50. I, I think we can do it. I think that's totally something that people would be up for doing for as far as supporting me goes. Um, I have no clue like how how many patrons I'll be able to get. But you know what? I'm going to be making sure that every single episode, the call outs come. And it doesn't matter if there's 50. It doesn't matter if there's 75 or 100. Uh, I'm going to make sure that I try and get everyone's name in here. And as a result, uh, we have got some new patrons. If I recall, let me take a look here and make sure that I, I got this right. So, yeah, we had some new patrons uh, that we're going to be calling out. I'm going to call them out actually at the end of the list because I haven't worked them into the list already. So we're going to go ahead and get to the top of the list, to the bottom list, and then shout out the new folks that, that joined up uh, just in the last couple of weeks. So shout out to People's Republic, El Cute, Captain Hasco, Chateau Neuf, Cloud, Cosmic Johnson, Davram TV, El Jefe Esteban, Fallen, Fergatron, Captain Vane, Trickster, Jabaro 5, Kazia the Rogue, King Flameheart, Nightstar, Lumpy SRQ, Alcarian Darth, Dub Dub Goose, Evil Morpheus, Xbox Mike 29, Munchie, Registella, Savage Hamster, Norwegian, Tarnished Film, Teen Professor, Real Big Tuna, Uriel Canes, Big Bad Pad, Mina Fairy, Super Pack, Music Me, The Lore Chronologist, Dead Eye Dre, Murphy Lives, Neon, Evil Martha, Peter Miller, Ruski Doo, Skinny Matt, Straw Hat Connor, Thor Von Blitz, Void, Windsor Chris, and Zam. Wow. Thank you all so much. And this week we have some interesting folks. I, I am very curious who this person is because I talked to Caleb and Caleb said that he did not pledge, which that's its own issue. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be very curious to find out who this Caleb is that subscribed. So thank you, Caleb, for subscribing to the Gold Hoarder tier. Uh, Scrummelt or Scrummelt six six six. Let me know how you pronounce that because I'm curious. Is it uh, Scum Scummelt six six six? Because I kind of like that better. And then Street Strange Stan uh, is our other Patreon that joined up this last week. Uh, some great names. Um, if someone is trolling Caleb, I'm I'm gonna allow it. I'll be honest. So uh, thank you all to the patrons who joined up this week in the last couple weeks in the last couple months. To be honest, you guys are helping me get to SOT Fest. It's it's making a huge impact in uh, what I can do there and and being able to to make 
make it there and get everything taken care of. It's uh, really nice to, to have you guys support me that way. And I can't wait to meet most of you too. That's going to be really awesome. So SOT Fest is going on at the end of July. I'm going to be recording an episode there with uh, Davram. Uh, panel or not, we're going to make it happen. So you guys are going to have a special episode that's live there. Uh, if we can get things going, if we can if we can make things work out, I would love to get some folks over there to do like a Q&A, just to kind of sit down and chat with you guys, uh, get some photos, do all kinds of fun stuff. i got plenty of stick excuse me, stickers to give out. Uh, I'm, I've been talking and I haven't taken a break yet. Um, but you know what, that's, that's all, that's all in the future. We'll, we'll, you'll plenty, you'll hear plenty of that in the future. Let's get into this week's episode with the gold hoarders. It was great to sit down and chat with them. We had some new voices. We had some old voices. We had some folks that couldn't speak because of allergies. It's great. I had a really good time. I love these episodes. I look forward to the next uh, month's episode uh, to see where everyone's at, especially if we get the new content coming in. I didn't spoil Adventure 2. I want to save that for next week because next week uh, everyone should have an opportunity to have gotten into it. I want to dive into my feelings about it, how it's going to fit into the rest of the game, what it was uh, like, and, and just some general feelings without spoiling uh, anything now, but definitely next week we're going to be spoiling that. So if you want to get that done don't forget you got two weeks to do it uh there's plenty of other stuff that we dive into as far as like heart of fire and the the book and talking about that and stuff so we'll be covering that in in this week's episode and then next week's episode will be mostly about adventure two and then anything else that crops up so uh sit back relax enjoy this episode and uh yeah we'll get into it Welcome everyone to the, uh, what is this, March? March Gold Hoarder episode. This is, uh, of course, the Gold Hoarder episode where we sit down and talk with the community. Uh, all the Gold Hoarders who are of the patron level uh, are invited in to, to talk about this. It's nothing official, but it's something I like to do for them just so that uh, I can get their gauge on what Sea Thieves is like. Because as a solo podcaster, that's sometimes a tough thing to do unless you have guests all the time. Uh, so this week is uh, a big cast. We've got a lot of folks coming in, whether they're able to speak or not. Some folks are dealing with some sinuses uh, with uh, the change in weather. So um, to, to prevent anyone from having to listen to super nasally uh, congested chatter. Um, they're going to to use text chat, and I will be reading that as much as possible to keep their feelings and opinions included in this conversation. So uh, today I wanted to welcome everyone that's here. I'll kind of go down the list of who's all who, uh, give them a chance to say hi and, and introduce themselves if they have something going on. Uh, starting from the top and working our way down, El Jefe Esteban. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Awesome. Fergatron coming in. How you doing, Fergatron? I'm doing good. Excellent. Uh, Kylie is joining us, who spoke with me earlier, and we'll be uh, using their their voice to talk. But uh, Kylie, how are you doing today? She says, as good as allergies will allow. Well, I'm glad that you decided to, to drop in and stuff. So hopefully, hopefully you start feeling better soon. Uh, People's Republic, one of the newer patrons, but one of the longtime listeners and, and uh, folks in the community. Uh, joining us. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good afternoon. Hope everybody's well. Definitely. Uh, Regis Stella, as always, joining us. Regis, how you doing? I'm doing good. Excellent. Uh, TN Professor joining us again. TN, good to see you're not traveling. How you doing? Doing fine. I'll be on an airplane tomorrow. I've got the spring head cold, which has dropped my voice an octave or two. 
Oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uriel Keynes is joining us this week. How you doing, Uriel? I'm doing fine. I am fit and healthy, but my three-year-old has terrible allergies, so that oh. is keeping me up at night. Oh man, that's a shame. Especially with the three-year-olds, you can't deal with it. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Big Bad Pad joining us. Pad, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Just finished a six-hour drive to Scotland. Oh my gosh. Anything in particular? Just family stuff? or seems... uh, Family stuff and racing cars. Ooh, okay. Sounds fun. Awesome. Well, we've got a great cast um mina fairy unfortunately could not join us this week uh her cats decided that wires are tasty and uh as many cat owners know uh cats for some reason have a weird thing about chewing on plastic so she unfortunately won't be able to uh to join in with us um this week is going to be an interesting week because we are, are the first week after uh the biggest drop of of like news for season six um, we got a trailer that came out that was really fun. Um, we did get to address a lot of the uh, stuff that that came in that trailer, or at least I did in a uh, in a, a YouTube video. Um, but I kind of wanted to go down the list uh, and and talk about sea forts because the content that we got with this adventure feels like it is uh, stuff that has been like on the back burner that they've been wanting to get this out, and then I think they wanted to get this out at the start of season six. At least that's how it felt. Uh, we had to wait until this this week to be able to actually get that content but um I, just kind of going down the list did anyone else feel like this is something that should have kicked off at the beginning of the season with us getting like this introduction into seafords fa so yeah i feel like that had the adventure kicked off when the season kicked off it would have been a better like story tie into why the seaports were there instead of them just randomly showing up and then you know there they were, and we had to kind of wait, figure out how they tied into, you know, the lore and the events going on around the world at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that as well, too. It feels like we, like, we the, the forts have been there, and they haven't been really as active, uh, but it definitely seems like this should have been something that popped in earlier. Peoples, what do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, their pacing uh, really seems to be off. Uh, I think ideally they um, wanted to have everything to go at the beginning of the, the season, but it just wasn't there. And so it's kind of piecemealing um, themselves out. And we can see that uh, through different pieces and tidbits in the lore that I think are feel kind of disjointed to me. Yeah. Yeah. It seems interesting. Kylie says, I'm starting to think at the same time uh, would have been given the beginning of the season a little oomph, uh, which seems to be lacking. The season launched without new emissary rewards or an, an adventure. Uh, so it's like here, have a new thing. And I, I agree. Um, having it start off at the beginning of the 10th of March as opposed to the, the start of March, it feels like we're we're going a whole month without really having anything really kind of driving us forward outside of the the normal seasonal renown uh, and, and just kind of pushing forward with that. Um, I did want to touch on the trailer. Did anyone uh, get a chance to watch the trailer, either the gameplay one or the cinematic trailer that kind of kicked off the second adventure? And if so, what did you guys think of the uh, the guards, the uh, Spanish officers? Uh, definitely reminds me of the two uh, bumbling buffoons from Pirates of the Caribbean, Redco buffoons from Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, one questioning orders and the other one just like trying to, you know, start an argument. Mm -hmm. Kind of got that feeling. Yeah. Professor? You know, it, it did give a little bit of personality you know a lot of the in environment uh, characters we fight don't always have a lot of game personality I, I was hoping that it, there would actually be some more interaction while we were fighting them i mean i, I don't know that i want to be asked repeatedly about you know my my boat's insurance but uh 
if if they could have, you know, brought in some of that that character into the the fight, I think it would have been fun. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that as well. Uh, Kylie says that uh, she loved it. Uh, I I thought it was something uh, player made and liked the candor between the two officers. Uh, Pad, what did you think? Um, I, I just thought it was funny that um, I, I didn't notice it myself because I've never played the game, but there was a an Easter egg there to um, Monkey Island. Yeah, yeah, you're referencing the uh, the the bald uh, sailor or jailer is actually someone who looks uncanny or uncanny has an uncanny appearance or connection to uh, one of the uh, Monkey Island jailers in there, which was kind of funny. Um, Peoples, what did you say? You you had some thoughts on this? Yeah, I I thought it was a bit over the top. I thought it was good. I think it gave a lot of personality. It was a little, it was a little campy for my taste. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was a little over the top. Do you think that they should have pulled back a little bit more, or should have gone more serious in this instance? Because we did get the Wanda section there. Sure, sure. No, I think they could have pulled back a little more, or made it some of the jokes a little, I guess, a little more highbrow. Um, but it was really in your face, uh, campy for me. Interesting. That's the first first time I've heard that kind of feedback. Most people really enjoy it, so you're you're looking for a little more serious, a little more, um, I guess, kind of uh, maybe would you say like darker tones then for it, or or uh, just kind of more serious nature to the impending. No, not doom. even that. Uh, maybe maybe a little smarter writing for me. Uh, I think mm-hmm. they played on some of the obvious, um, you know, stuff that we pick on with Flameheart being in the sky and the big head and Ginger and all that stuff. They kind of picked on that. Yeah. I think there's just so much material that they could have um, kind of talked about uh, in a playful manner, but I think they went for the obvious. Okay. So you wanted something a little more, uh, a little less top level. It, interesting that you're looking for that out of the, uh, out of a, a, an adventure trailer. Cause I, I feel like we're, we're kind of working towards that. I do agree that, that I think that that's kind of what I want, but I, I think we're kind of slowly getting there as we move deeper and deeper through the adventures. And I, I don't think they want to hit, hit the gas all the way, uh, without a slight kind of ramp up to kind of get people used to the, to the feeling. Uh, Kylie says it seems a little off uh, from what they usually release, which is a which was a surprise for her. Um, anyone else have any feelings on kind of that or uh, Flameheart coming out of, or not Flameheart? Um, what's his name? The Servant of Flame uh, coming out of the room in in one of the uh, the forts. And then uh, any feelings on Wanda? Anyone have any idea like how you feel about uh, Wanda coming after uh, the Servant of Flame to to get her sister, or is that her goal? Like any any thoughts or speculation on that coming from the the community side? No. Okay. I think it may be leading up to maybe down the road a, a fight between the Dark Brethren and maybe Flameheart, and kind of you know tying all that in together or so than it has been so far i mean this is kind of what you guys wanted isn't it like you guys wanted this flame heart story this is this is kind of the kicking off of that i'm surprised more people aren't more excited about it i'm super about moving the story forward so in that aspect i I, you know i love it yeah i think it's it's really intriguing to have two sets and uh, two different factions as it were on the you know on the the anti-pirate lord side of things i think that's going to be really intriguing and upsetting it up in that regard i think probably the biggest sticking point is uh the flameheart story didn't quite seem to go the way we thought it would so we're all kind of making this adjustment and they've kind of got this weird you know the bad guy team isn't all on one page and so i'm kind of interested to see how that kind of sorts itself out um, and if there isn't going to be a major turn 
do you guys uh anyone see any anything as far as uh like them kind of uh doing like the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing fergatron you're unmuted do you, do you have any feelings um yeah i was just gonna say something similar to that that uh i i really liked that wanda was showing up and then i'm super interested on who was on the boat with her and i think it's kind of going to be neat that uh there might be more people fighting against flameheart no yeah that the story that was interesting anyone feel like we're going to be getting a a new faction to deal with as far as like i i was calling them the maidens of sorrow um but we really don't know who the other masked stranger is who was on the ship uh the warsmith ship with wanda uh any 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 ideas or speculation that you can talk about um that you guys want to dive into on that or uh should we move into just kind of like season six and how it's kicking off isn't the uh the everybody guessing that it's what's her name amarantha or whatever her name is Mm, yeah yeah so that is one of the the current uh, speculation points right now is is that there was a sea dog uh, who was working over at the spire now that arena has been closed by demarco uh, all of the sea dogs are now unemployed effectively um, but one of the original things that that was kind of kicked up when we were trying to find out who the stranger was was uh, this character named amaranta who has a beauty mark on her lip um, and the mask that is uh tends to be reflecting of who the owner is uh also has a beauty mark and while we originally thought that there's a possibility that the mass stranger was amaranta we found out that it was wanda later um there's definitely some speculation going around that they are kind of going back to what the community idea was uh for this and that uh it would be amaranta in this case um actually fulfilling the the uh supposed speculation from the community at that point so kind of interested to see how that's going to go uh stella or regis you got you got some thoughts you want to jump in with terms of saying like you know with these two factions you know flame hot and the dark brethren just you know being trying to wrestle control over the sea of thieves maybe some point in some time they can you know become allies at one point and, you know, all of them hate the Pirate Lord, and maybe once they defeat the Pirate Lord, presume, like, presumably, allegedly, anyway, or figuratively, anyway, um, yeah, they could, uh, they could also, like, you know, carve their own slice of the, the king, their own kingdoms within the CFEs if they, if, if they successfully defeated Pirate Lord and the Phoenix Fortune, which... Hope to God it doesn't happen. That, that's an interesting idea that um, I want to jump into as well. To uh, before we before I jump onto that idea, I do want to address some of the, the chat as well. To uh, people's, you you had some feelings as far as like player factions or player involved factions. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a need for a a second uh, or an additional um, player faction or player quote evil faction uh outside of outside of reapers uh, i think they may be too close uh i think you may have some rebranding maybe of reapers and, and frankly there should be some rebranding of, of reapers to to be what they actually are designed to be as opposed to just an all catch-all make money faction uh but i don't know if there's a a real reason to have a an additional faction uh for players to be involved in Okay, so you're kind of happy with where we are now. You don't necessarily need them to be diving deeper into that well. No. Okay. How do you feel about Hunter's Call then? You don't want them to mess around with Hunter's Call anymore? Um, no, I, I do. I, I mean, like okay. I said, with with Reapers, I think that um, they, there needs to be a refresh. There needs to be a redirection of exactly what they're looking for in a... Uh, 
you know, and what the Reapers are supposed to be doing. In the same way with with Hunter's Call, I'm a big believer that they need to lean more into, you know, the big game hunting um, side, adventure seeking um, side of the Hunter's Call as opposed to the, you know, fishing and turning in, you know, old boots and hats, you know, to Merrick. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the the Hunter's Call is really the only faction since its inception that really hasn't had a a huge additive, you know, to it. Um, And uh, I think it can go to your point in, in a in a great direction if it went to more of the fantastical beast legends you know think leviathons thinking you know more megs more krakens more you know fantastical situations Mm -hmm. that you could get um great stories out of yeah yeah i think that there's a deep well that they haven't or a deep mind that they haven't uh, mined anything out of uh, a rich vein that they could tap into to get some really good valuable content out of that uh, i think it just really depends on how they address that and uh how they balance it with the rest of the world and the the emergent threats i think i saw a tweet from joe neat the other day how he got megged krakened uh in a storm while getting chased by reapers solo on a bridge and it was like buddy that seems like you're setting yourself up for a hard day uh of getting rared and it's 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 funny to to think about like what would a a hunter's call with harder harder creatures out there uh uh, kind of uh, entering into that atmosphere or into that situation um i did want to to bring something up real quick unless someone wanted to, to touch on that i just wanted no, to I, say it's good to know that the rare people get rared that's yeah. it <laughs> It is. Yeah, they deal with it just as much as we do. Um, So I did want to bring this up real quick. Uh, I forgot that this was even announced because so much got announced this week, um, which is is really weird to to have a a episode where we where I am completely focusing on one thing. Uh, There's so much to talk about, but we did get the announcement of the new book. Uh, that we had heard about for a while that that it was in the making it was very very apparent that they were making a second book but we finally got the announcement of heart of fire uh this one is going to actually pertain to uh flame heart the heart of fire as well as the crew of the morning star um and actually give like a fair amount of background to who flame heart is hopefully uh, as well as uh, the morning star crew and hopefully get some some good naval battles based on the cover um as as we kind of like open this open this up to the to everyone to kind of touch on what did you all think of the announcement for the heart of fire is it something that you're interested in uh it's coming out august 10th so it's still a ways out but um anyone excited about the the book i know kylia was definitely excited for it yeah i will be pre-ordering it as soon as i can yeah definitely I'll, i'll probably see if i can uh get that as much as i can uh fergatron what was your uh your thoughts you had on this oh i'm pretty excited about the book i just finished actually the uh athena's fortune book last week so i'm ready for another one i'm excited about it i like the lore of the game so much yeah it's it's a lot of fun i'm, I'm really excited about that uriel how do you feel yeah i uh listened to the what is it the the gold hoarder one uh the audiobook mm-hmm. and it was amazing so i'm really looking forward to this one i think it's the same writer and i'm assuming that for the audiobook they're going to have the same uh voice actor do it so i, I think yeah I, I really enjoyed the the other audiobook man i hope so yeah the yeah chris alcock was the uh the writer for um for athena's fortune and i believe uh toby keith 
is the uh the is it keith who is the uh the author for or the uh voice actor for black sales um who did that help me out here if you guys remember uh yeah that's right the guy from black sales okay or no toby stevens not toby keith yeah 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 yeah. my yeah. apologies i had the quite uh country draw to be toby keith yeah i was i was like thinking i'm like no i know who toby keith is and that's definitely not him but um toby stevens is the the gentleman who who did the voice uh for Athena's fortune. It was great. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we do need to have, I mean, uh, um, I'm blanking on the streamer's name. Uh, who's, who's got that Southern draw. He's a Southern pirate. Um, Boxy fresh. Boxy. Thank you. Yeah. Boxy fresh is, is got that Southern pirate draw. Uh, that could, you know, never know. Toby Keith might be available for this one. Uh, I'm, I'm loving this though. I'm looking forward to finding out like what's going to happen, uh, with, with Flameheart. I really want to dive into the history that, that's there and stuff uh, just kind of understand more about what's going on especially with the lore um anyone have any any other additional thoughts on that before we move into just kind of sea forts in season six i want to say that i'm looking forward to getting another signed copy from the off of of a, of uh part of fire when it comes out because i got the signed copy of the Phoenix Fortune from the author, so I'm looking forward to getting another one from my collection. Nice. Yeah, I'm hoping to have the opportunity. I, I think that's uh, with see if uh, see if Thieves Fest coming up. I think I'm going to pack my books and uh, comics and see if I can have anyone that shows up from the dev team that's uh, at see if Thieves Fest. I'm going to see if I can get them to sign it. Or just do what I do and just uh, order order a special edition of it online, the signed copy edition. Ah, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to do that with the, with the, uh, the novel. I did get to do that with the art book, though. Uh, Peoples, you, you had some thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it would be interesting to see how the, uh, the writing or the writing style, or even, um, maybe some of the holes that the community has has picked apart in the first book or speculated out of the first book. Um, in addition to what's been in the game. Um, that have kind of filled some of the holes. How many of those things will be uh, done right uh, or uh, proved to be right? Some of those will be proved to be wrong. And maybe uh, what areas that the author might not have additionally focused on uh, that you know they dive more into because of some of the reaction of the community on the first book. So you you're really curious to find out like if if stuff's going to get validated or uh, retconned or or even just like told was the, the not the right thing basically absolutely i hope they blow our mind and that we were just totally uh in left field on some ideas um you know that that falcor has the opportunity to write just an apology to to everybody that he was wrong on some things <laughs> um you know that you know the more the more color that we can get in this world i think the better yeah yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, having that kind of uh, uh, actually written out from uh, the source makes a, a huge difference uh, as well, too. Um, and apparently, Hefe coming in with the hot news. Turns out, apparently, that Heart of Fire is actually available for pre-order right now. Uh, so you can actually do that. It looks like paperback is uh, available for $15.95, Kindle version for $10. And I looks like it's delivering on August 16th, not August 10th. So the, the information I wrote down is inaccurate. Um, they got a nice little blurb here, if you guys don't mind uh, me reading this. Uh, the Sea of Thieves is a world of adventure, a world of buried treasure, sea monsters, and of course, 
pirates. But there is one name that strikes fear into the heart of all who sail there. Captain Flameheart, dread pirate of the Sea of Thieves, is a ruthless warmonger and captain of the Burning Blade. Together with his skeletal fleets, he terrorizes these waters and seeks the insatiable thrill of battle. In desperation, the legendary pirate lord hires the crew of the Morningstar to stop Flameheart's reign of terror once and for all. Meanwhile, a crew of misfits swears allegiance to Flameheart, who offers them an intriguing opportunity to upheave the status quo. In a frenzied race to decide the fate of the Sea of Thieves, these daring pirates must outfit and outwit one another in a quest to uncover an artifact capable of defeating Flameheart once and for all. Plunge into the thrilling tale of the heart of Rare's multiplayer adventure, the origin story of the Captain Lord, Captain Flameheart, and the terrible sacrifices made to ensure his downfall. That's pretty epic, and I'm pretty sure Chris Alcock actually wrote that. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. The 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 art itself looks amazing, just the, uh, the actual book cover art. Um, it doesn't look like you can pre-order this on Audible, unfortunately, thanks to Uriel uh, for checking on that. Um, anyone feel like this is kind of a... a a story that we already know the answer to. I'm, I'm kind of curious because reading this, it talks about kind of the the history that we that we have that we don't know, but we kind of know what already happened to the crew of the Morning Star uh, through the tall tale of the fate of the Morning Star. And maybe it'll just flesh it out a little more and kind of uh, just have some more, I guess, filler content and just with Flameheart. You know, we kind of have a general idea of kind of where he came from, but this would probably be a better or again more fleshed out version of that which i think would be would be good kind of maybe understand his uh his reasoning behind what he does and and all of that yeah yeah i think so as well too i'm very curious to understand what this uh what this artifact is and if this is something that is in the game now or something that will be coming to the game in the future i know with the star trek uh or not star trek star wars um books adaptations there was always a little bit more you could learn from the internal thoughts that were in the book that you didn't necessarily catch in the movie. So maybe they can do some, something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Peoples, you had a really good point I'd like to, to have you touch on. Oh, I just mentioned that, you know, similar to Rogue One, uh, which I think is one of the, the better movies, uh, you know, prior to the, uh, you know, the original uh, trilogy in Star Wars. Um, you know, we know the ending, we know where it's going, we know where it has to connect, but the color, and we've talked about the color of, of what it really brought to the table, really flushed out that world. And I think this can do the same. Yeah, I'd agree as well. Uriel, you were talking about something in chat as well, too? I'm just curious to see with this story, I think that with Athena's fortune, they built out a lot of the story around... Um, you know, the Gold Hoarder and a lot of the immediate events around the Tall Tales. I think that when we read the Heart of, Heart of Fire, I'm curious if it continues to focus intimately on the Flame Heart story, or if, I think it'll be telling if, because I think that Sea of Thieves has matured, and I think that as they continue to tell the story of Flameheart, I think that the design team, and you can kind of tell from the way when you hear like interviews with the developers, I think they have a much better understanding now of where the story is going to be going, you know, one, two, three years in the future as well. And I'm curious, part of me is curious to hear this story to see if they do any world building setup for that in this yeah the opportunity is definitely there right like they have they have a chance to give us hints that could be a year away that we won't be able to to realize until we actually start getting more pieces to this puzzle uh so there's definitely an opportunity for them to kind of write in uh the future of the sea of thieves without us knowing about it which is always kind of fun 
I always like it when you when you have that moment in a movie where you're kind of seeing things happen and sometimes you'll pick up on something and you don't think it's anything until you get further down into the film when you realize like that was that was actually a very pivotal moment that because it was just so so common it was so innocuous that you didn't think much of it until way later in the history of the actual film uh and same thing with the game i think there's there's really a good opportunity i hope that they touch on stuff that's happening now um i'm, I'm worried that the book is set in heart of fire and set in the past and while it will help kind of illuminate a lot of the things that are going on in the history of sea of thieves that this is technically something that takes place uh, after we've uh, arrived um, to some extent, I, I hope that it really does kind of set forward or set a path forward to, to kind of what what we can look forward to, like you're saying. Well, Athena's fortune was too, but then it also would jump forward to Lorena mm-hmm. in, in the present, you know, so it would it would also jump. It was focused on the past and the present as well so i'm curious if they do the same thing yeah yeah me too how uh, for those that actually got a chance to read the the book uh how did you guys feel about that did you like how it kind of went from the past and the in the present and then eventually kind of merged towards the end of the actual book i did like that i like the fact that you kind of had you know two very separate storylines um, but in the end, kind of came together, and and I like like the back and forth, and, you know, time time jump. It it, it was kind of kept things interesting. Yeah, I definitely appreciate it. Fergatron, you you said you liked it as well. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked how it went back and forth. The only thing I didn't like was that the chapters were the same names throughout the whole book. Kylie is right. Something as well too. So the pacing was kind of fast towards the end there. Yeah, it did. It did kind of feel like things were kind of moving at a breakneck pace uh, towards the end there. She says, so much came together so fast that it felt rushed at the end. I wonder if it was rushed. I may actually write out or reach out to um, to Chris about that and see if, if that was the case or if he had as much time as he had. Because that book, uh, as far as we know, that book was finished before the game launched. But then it took about eight months for them to get it actually published or seven months, I think, before it got published. So I would be curious to talk to him about that. I'm hoping I can get him on the podcast, actually. That's kind of the one of the goals that I have for the show is I want to get him, as we get closer and closer towards Heart of Fire's launch, uh, I'd love to bring him on as kind of like a, a retrospective uh, for uh, Athena's fortune and then kind of like what we can look forward to with Heart of Fire and potentially like the future of of the book series and stuff so hopefully that that works out i got to talk to him about that and rare as well um anyone have any ending thoughts on this before we jump into season six because uh we did get a question in from tarnished film that i wanted to address uh because i think that's something that we've all kind of experienced and i would love to uh to get some some uh feedback on that as well but anything before we jump off of heart of fire or any of the uh the things that we talked about previously Ahoy there, Pirates. This is the ad for this episode, and I did want to let you know if you wanted to avoid these and just get a regular filler, you can head over to the Patreon. There's a special feed just for patrons that get the ad-free version. If you want to keep listening, though, I can't say I blame you because this week I want to let you know about Loot Crate and getting 15% off of most crates and crate subscriptions when you use the link and code ROBOTSRADIO in the show notes. Also, you can head over to audiobooks.com, get your first three audiobooks for free, and that can include any 
two VIP books or use the affiliate link for Green Man Gaming. If you're a PC gamer, you'd like to save money on games. It's one of the benefit of being a PC gamer. Head over to Green Man Gaming. You can get codes for Steam, Epic, any of the different stores that they have deals going on. They have deals going on all the time. And if you plan on buying there, please consider using our affiliate link. All of that goes straight to me through the network. Thank you all so much for everything that you do to support this podcast. It means the world to me and I continue to try and improve the quality and the content for you. With that, Pirates, let's get back to the show. Well, as we get into season six, um, I wanted to dive into uh, the the sea forts uh, specifically because we got a question in from Tarnished Film and I wanted to read it out because it, it, it addresses like what we've been seeing in, in the world. Uh, so Tarnished Film, who couldn't make this episode, wrote in and says, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to miss this month's Gold Hoarder episode. Uh, and, and unfortunately won't be able to, but they've been playing Sea of Thieves since 2019. Uh, and as a latecomer, they've had some personal issues that have kept them from playing the game sooner. Um, they still want to contribute to the, the topics that we're going to be talking on and simply ask if everyone else is noticing uh, a major increase in Reaper emissary ships on the servers this season. Uh, and not just your regular Reapers, but sweat lords uh, that are going to come after anyone for any reason. They don't care if you have loot or even a flag. Uh, they've been everywhere, and man, they are salty. Uh, I have a theory that, and it's uh, that we are seeing all of the arena players uh, make their way to adventure now. Uh, he says that he's not complaining. Uh, I just know that for two nights in a row this season, my crew has found itself uh, sword lunging from a moving ship uh, as it crashes into the outpost to lower the flag as we were about to go offline for the evening. So I wanted to open this up to folks to kind of see sea uh, forts have been kind of the new thing to go do. Um, I wanted to, to get some thoughts on uh, the the kind of the sea forts in general, just how you guys are liking them. But um, the professor brings in a, a really good point that I wanted to talk about. Uh, a little bit about what I consider and in, in define a sweat lord versus a toxic player. Because um, I think that, that there has been some discussion as of late about those two words being conflated. And I, and I tend to look at those as two very different things. Uh, so to kind of lay out where I, I stand on this and to kind of give you guys a basis... Uh, of understanding to kind of talk on um, when defining uh, a sweat lord versus a toxic player a sweat lord is someone to me who is just very driven in what they're doing they uh, are very ruthless they're going to do exactly what it takes to win regardless of uh, how hard they have to work to get that done whereas a toxic player may not actually even be a good player but everything that they are doing is doing to disrupt the natural gameplay flow of going out, hunting ships, sinking them. Um, and when they come in contact with ships, uh, they are specifically using like, you know, they're using uh, abusive language. Uh, they're using exploits for spawn camps. Um, they're disrupting the the natural enjoyment of the game, win or lose. Um, and I typically like you look at toxic behavior as uh, something that someone is going to be doing that is is edging on something that would be boundable. Um, I think you can I, I think you can kind of smack talk people. And I don't think that that's necessarily 
you know, good sportsman behavior. Um, but it, it's on that edge of, of like a toxic player. So um, I wanted to kind of go down the list and just kind of get some general definitions from you guys uh, all about what you consider like the difference between like someone who's a sweat and someone who's a, a toxic person. So Hefe, I know you, you had some thoughts on this. Yeah. So based on your definition, my crew, we are sweat lords. Okay. Um, and, and, and we're, I mean, we, cause we are, we're, we're, we're driven in what we do and uh, we, we don't always win. I mean, we, you know, stinks happen and it's a good thing. It teaches you humility and defeat and how to get better and all that. Um, but there, so there, absolutely, there is a very big difference between a very driven player and then a toxic player. So we, uh, here of late, we, we have picked up the terminology of, of sweat stains. Uh, so a sweat stain is going to be a toxic sweat lord. <laughs> so we, we have encountered some sweat stains since season six started. And my general gut reaction is, is the folks from Arena who finally are unmuted, who can come over and just, you know, just wreck havoc. Um, got caught off guard at a seafort uh, one evening. Uh, we, we were inside it doing it and uh, got snuck upon by another brig. And they, it was a diaper sales, you know, no cosmetics brig, came screaming in. I mean, they, they didn't try and slow down. They just uh, crashed right into us, jumped on, um, dumped all of our loot off board. And by the time we got back on board, um, it just turned into a, a, a tedium match. Like they, 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 they patched our ship, uh, and then just spawned campus until we were able to get into a good rhythm where we were able to be together to actually kind of knock, you know, one or two of them out. Um, I think we ended up sinking, but in that, in that interaction, uh, there were some pretty, uh, Pretty vulgar language was uh, was spewed from the open mics, and uh, it got clipped by somebody else on our crew, and uh, those people got banned. And uh, it was interesting the uh, the response that, that Rare sent back. Uh, it wasn't just from the language they used, but it was from their gameplay style of spawn camping and the dumping the loot for you know basically no apparent reason uh, with some things that they had mentioned. So it's interesting that that Rare uh truly does i think look into all these accounts when people do you know offer those things up yeah it was very detailed in, in the response and it, it you're right have it, it addressed more than just the language it was the intentional dumping of treasure and letting it sink and and not caring um they were there just to be miserable and and that was what their you know their goal was I, as far as their their actual talent tdm they had us whooped the sneak attack excellent their cannons excellent i mean we were actually enjoying learning uh, maybe later on but we were learning a lot from you know some of that stuff but just the toxicity the vulgarity um crossed the line so that's something that i wanted to, to touch on as well too is um when 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 i think of people that are, are toxic with the game i i don't necessarily just think of what they're doing that is is vulgar because i i think i find that with a lot of games and i try to report it when possible uh but i i think the difference is disrupting the natural flow of gameplay being a good sportsman the game is called sea of thieves not sea of murder uh, so it's fine if you have to kill people for the sake of getting their treasure, but the end goal is the battle. The end goal is, is the, the, the lore or the loot that you're going to be gaining. And, and I think that if you're, if you're disrupting someone's natural gameplay and, and I wanted to address this too, because there was a, a topic that came out as far as like, whether or not, uh, this was something I was talking with some folks about, uh, whether or not a person who is spawn camping your ship is being toxic or not and i think the difference is is how far does that go are they doing it for an hour 
then you, that's that seems like a, a bridge too far. That seems like you should have scuttled. And Rare has already kind of set the rules in place to be like, hey, if you get killed multiple times within a short time frame, then they remind you about the uh, scuttle system. And I think that that is a way to break that engagement. And I don't necessarily think that that is the end goal for Rare. I think this is just a, a band-aid for a larger issue with the exploits that are being used. Uh, but anyone to me that is being vulgar or, or exploiting, those are the toxic people to me. So I don't think if it takes a little bit longer to get treasure off of a ship and you're trying to get supplies and you have to kill them a couple times, I don't view that as toxic. I view, view that as a necessary evil to get what you want because there's no way to tell people to uh, lay down their arms. You can't you can't tell them to put their sword down. If you could, if you could disarm someone, then I think there'd be a little bit more uh, communication between crews. You know, you could ask for a surrender and if, if a crew surrendered, then they would be forfeit of anything that was on their ship, but they might actually get to keep their ship. Uh, so I, I'm kind of curious. People jump in here because you wrote out some stuff uh, as, far, as far as your feelings go. Yeah, I mean, there have been toxic or hum uh, or abusive people uh, throughout the entirety of, of Sea of Thieves. And, and Sea of Thieves is actually much calmer than some of the other um, things. And uh, on the front end, I'd like to say that there's never an excuse for someone receiving ver verbal abuse. I mean, that, that goes without saying. But I do think that we're kind of on a convergence of a couple things right now that have really heightened that. And things I laid out was, you know, like uh, was said, you know, the closing of arena where people weren't able to talk before, now they're able to talk. Uh, the fact that, you know, the new embassy ledgers are not open yet, that doesn't happen until, uh, you know, April 1st. And then that, um, you know, not all the activities are active in season six yet with the pirate legend, uh, you know, voyages and things like that, that the uh, activities in season six right now are kind of hollow. Uh, or easily done in in, in quick uh, in quick fashion. So there are, there's a lot of idle hands out there that I think have kind of uh, have caused this. So um, I, I think those are some of the things that have kind of led to it. And and going to going to your point, I don't think um, there's a difference in being uh, aggressive and being and being toxic. Um, I think that you can uh, definitely attack anybody for any reason at any time. Uh, I definitely think that you can um, kill people on a boat while uh, obtaining their treasure or getting their supplies. Um, it's the point that you're doing it for sport over and over that you're uh, being a bully uh, over and above what uh, is normally there is that, that I start having a problem. Um, but, you know, my, my crew is I appreciate you saying that, quote, sweat lords don't have to be good. So that lumps into, uh, you know, my crew. Um <laughs> You know, so um, I would say that, you know, we're we're as aggressive as as, as anybody. Um, uh, I think that Xbox uh, players are at a disadvantage because they can't cross talk with a lot of things to talk out some things to communicate. Um, but yes, when you when you start uh, being verbally abusive, uh, regardless of what you're doing, whether you're just standing right next to the person or whether you're killing them over and over, uh, that's toxic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Kylie wrote in and, and said that, uh, we've, uh, they, she and her crew have discovered that the beginning of the season brings many players back, including the un undesirables. So we tend to do tall tales, fishing, uh, Listerines, which if you're not familiar with the breast of sea for the actual shrines, uh, and other non season oriented activities for the first few weeks and let them get it out of their system. Uh, which I think is is a, a really valid way of going about it too. You know, anytime there's a content drop, you're always going to have a lot of 
interest in that, which is good for a business. Uh, but as as far as the long term fans, um, you're going to see a lot of new players and a lot of uh, uh, people that want to come in and uh, take advantage of people who are checking out the new content. Um, you know, you get a lot, which honestly is a valid thing to do if you're a reaper and you only reap. Um, and you want to go out looking for other reapers or you want to go out looking for flags, uh, new content tends to bring in a lot of emissary flags and uh, especially with new emissary rewards. So I, I see that and I and I think I, I echo peoples uh, in this instance that it really is just a matter of how do you conduct yourself? Are you are you playing with a sense of, of respect? Are you playing with uh, good sportsmanlike behavior? Because if you're not, much like real sports, you get banned. You don't get to you don't get to do that thing unless you just are ungodly good. At which point, a lot of stuff gets overlooked, and including abuse to women. But that's a whole nother thing. Thanks NFL for bringing that into my life. Uh, so with C forts, I wanted to. T- oh, sorry, I've I got a couple of people unmuted here. Tien, uh, did you have something? And then Uriel, let's get you after that. I think you've nailed it with the, the intent. I mean, any of those activities, including spawn camping. Um, can have their legit reasons. I, I really do think you have to decide what your limit is going to be. And when it starts ruining your enjoyability, when it starts tempting you to act unsportsmanlike or to begin to try and, and meet verbal abuse with, with your own verbal abuse, you're only playing in to that negativity. And it is time to scuttle. And we've done that. We've scuttled and, and said, you know what? It's a good night. We're done for now. We'll come back tomorrow. Um, but you really have to understand what your limit will be, and and don't allow them to get into your head and and start. You start playing their game instead of you playing your game. Yeah, that's a really good point to make. Uh, Uriel, you've been unmuted for a while. Let me get your thoughts in here, and then let's get Fergatron jumping in after that. Yeah. So I I just what what I will say is this. My my perspective on Sea of Thieves is comparing it to just about any other game that I've played with a first person combat mechanic. I feel like it's I think it's important to note that while we kind of go through these sometimes ups and downs in terms of toxicity, I still feel like Sea of Thieves is less toxic than any at least any game that I have played with a first person combat mechanic. Um, I spend a decent amount of the time, I, I, maybe I play a little bit unconventionally, but I tend to go around and try to create server allowance, alliances quite a bit. And I find that there's still a significant number of kids and, you know, kind of, you know, dads with their, you know, with their kids and friends groups playing um, in, in a way that I, I think is maybe not always characteristics of other games. And I think that these kinds of casual players that you see, at least I see pretty frequently on Sea of Thieves, I think that these are the kind of players that there's a lot of them numerically. And if you look at like the number of players that maybe log on to the game at least once in a month, but these are the kinds of players who they don't put in as many hours as the Sweat Lords. The Sweat Lords are maybe 1% of the player base, but they're playing you know, 50 times as many hours. So it's one of those things where it's tough because when you bring out new content um, and you give things for the Sweat Lords to do, you can sometimes see very sharp spikes in the ratio of players that you see on this like the, the amount of hostility that you see in in practice on the seas can kind of vary pretty dramatically but the overall experience that i kind of see in general is that i feel like the level of toxicity in sea of thieves is still significantly less than again comparing it to any game that i've played with a first person combat mechanic that's true and i i i think you bring in a really good uh, uh 
point is is that this is a, a matter of perspective. Um, there's reasons why I don't play Call of Duty too often, and definitely not with open comms because when I do play, it's usually terrible. Same thing with Halo. Uh, I, I hate playing with those those uh, communities. I like playing those games. Um, same thing with Heroes of the Storm too. So many times people are are far more toxic than in Sea of Thieves. I think Sea of Thieves has definitely got a much better ground uh, for for offering a, a better play place for people to bring in people who aren't. Um, so I, I'm glad that you bring that up because as we kind of talk about toxicity in Sea of Thieves, I think the goal of the conversation is to try and do something that tends to happen around this time of year. I don't know what it is, but you know, it happened in 2019, it happened 2020. Uh, I can't re recall if it was like this in 2021, but here we are in 2022 and we're back on the same conversations. Uh, that it, it, it's for whatever reason, you tend to see a lot of folks with a lot of pent up issues uh, coming into the game. And Sea of Thieves has done a really good job over the last four years of trying to stifle that and push that out as much as possible. And I think Rare does a good job uh, or as, as good as they can um, with the team that they have to try and live by the pirate code and to try and, and change the game to reduce the amount of toxicity that can be done available um, for so long, we, we had, uh, you know, we had um, no way of, of kicking someone off a ship. And, you know, the only thing you could do is bring them. And you, you felt bad because they wouldn't leave and then they would get toxic about it and they'd play music or they'd, uh, you know, make noise the whole time or talk, you know, and you couldn't do anything about it. And then eventually Rare uh, worked out how to do closed crews. Um, so I, I think Rare sees the stuff that we're talking about and that's why I'm glad that we're talking about it. Uh, to make sure that we can try and point out the things that are are hurt that are harming, actively harming the experience, because I don't think you'll ever be able to play a multiplayer game without a percentage of that community being toxic. But I think that a, a large majority of the people who are in the game are genuinely like good people and want to enjoy the game because of the way the game is. Uh, but I've been talking for a bit. Fergatron, um, I wanted to go back and touch on something because. Uh, you were talking about the the scuttle reminder and how that helped you. Uh, yeah. At first, when they introduced that, I was like almost slightly irritated because my crew and I are pretty much a fight till the bitter end kind of kind of people. And uh, the other day, I was sailing with um, my crew member Nocturnux, and we were fighting. And then I realized they were fixing the boat, and we're hearing the sword swipes and the black screens. And I was just like, man. And then we loaded onto the ferry and hopped up, and I was like, you know what? I think it's time to scuttle. Let's just do it. They're just going to keep doing this over and over again. So it's funny how now I appreciate it with that view on uh, it popping up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's get into some of the chat that has uh, has been rolling as we've been kind of uh, conversing. So um, let's let's talk about uh, kind of going into this. Uh, thanks to TN for kind of confirming that, yeah, Halo and, and COD are horrible when it comes to that. Um, Pad, you haven't really had a voice in this uh, recently, but uh, let's get your thoughts in on this. I'm trying to keep quiet because I speak a lot of the time. Um, yeah, okay. it's just obviously, yes, different people have different ideas on what toxicity is. I think in this group here, I think we are pretty much agreed on what is and what isn't toxicity. Um, but I was just saying that um, it also is going to depend on what size ship you are sailing on. Um, yes. Um, a galleon or brig of sweat lords, toxicity players, whatever, um, will attack in most instances any ship 
But if they see a sloop, there is 100% chance they're going to attack it. If they come across another galleon, maybe they won't. Um, and I guess that yeah, if they were to do a poll on toxicity reports, that the majority of them would be from sloop crews, whether that be solo or duo. That's a really interesting idea. I would love to, to hear from Joe. Uh, neat who hopefully if he's if he listens to this episode i'd love to hear some some feedback on this from the team like is that what they're seeing is that kind of what they're what they're noticing do galleon crews tend to report less because they they have the numbers to help try and deal with uh other crews who are being uh toxic and and do they kind of talk like do they kind of talk uh, amongst themselves and kind of uh you know move past what's been going on do they 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 have like that self self care where they're talking to each other to kind of be like ah you know those guys were toxic it sucks and they kind of work it out through themselves versus like a solo slooper who has no one to talk to at that point uh or or two people who who just don't know how to how to cope with it um so i'm, I'm very curious to kind of hear about that like does having friends on a ship with more people help kind of acclimate to that kind of culture is that something that that should be reported regardless in that case uh just even if you are able to kind of like work your work your way through dealing with that kind of stuff um but let's let's get into some of the other conversations uh tn professor uh peoples you guys had some thoughts on this hefe you guys had some thoughts on this um we we just to be fair we shoot at everybody uh that's a good point (laughs) yeah we're just gonna spread cannonball love everywhere um i i do think you're right though i i play differently when i'm with my crew or with people you know other people i'm i'm not as a, a nervous player i get really i feel like a little chihuahua if i'm solo slooping heart rate's always constantly going i'm constantly running back and forth checking the horizon checking the ship it's not as enjoyable for me um and i think it, it is helpful to keep on an even keel when you have your friends with you kind of talking things out and it does make me wonder you know how many of those solo sloopers are doing it because they just generally enjoy being alone or if they just don't feel they've found other people to sail with and i know we've after we've sunk somebody or or almost sunk them repaired them and and talked to them um invited them to the discord to to maybe help them find people to play with so um there you go so what you're saying is is that when you're in a galleon crew you're still that that scared little chihuahua but you've got a couple big dogs next to you so you feel like you can kind of uh, match their their bite with your bark it has to do with being alone on any size ship when you have to be the watch guard the treasure digger mm-hmm. the, the the you know and just doing all of that um that's when i would rather just uh have my rowboat and and <laughs> i've done that where i've just rowboated around the map because yeah. you know you just don't show up yeah and 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 so there's a little bit less stress there just not having to be everything all the time um but I, you know i get it some people that that to them is is fun and some of them have made a career on youtube uh solo slooping and and uh, they don't have that same anxiety you know hefe has admitted when we play halo he can't sleep for two hours after we play it because the level of anxiety that that gives him is different than the level of excitement that playing uh sea of thieves gives him um where i'll play halo before i go to bed <laughs> i think it's it for me definitely and, and maybe maybe you all can kind of uh, attest to this or, or or give some some thoughts on it i'd be curious to hear uh 
when I'm playing a game that I have no stakes in, uh, like Halo or like Call of Duty, where I know I'm not the best and I'm not pretending to be the best, I go in with so low stakes that win or lose, I'm just playing it for the sake of of the gameplay. I, I don't necessarily take into account like how how sweaty am I being about winning in this instance. Whereas with Sea of Thieves, because I'm so in, in love with that game that I feel like I, I want to win all the time in it and that that raises the stakes, which raises the anxiety for me. Uh, but I, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think. And, and also I wanted to, as we're kind of closing things out, I'd love to get some thoughts on uh, solo slooping. If anyone has taken a rowboat and done the sea forts uh, just in a rowboat. Uriel, you had some thoughts though? Let's let's dive into the uh, the feeling about uh, what, what, we're, what I was just going into. Oh, I was just saying I agree with you. I, I, I get the same thing about games where like, you know, if you're just kind of playing it casually, like you say, you can go to sleep on it. You don't stress out about it. But if like, like if you're really sweaty, if you're taking it really seriously, it's there's a little bit of anxiety there. Yeah, it messes with me. Fergatron, you you said you play COD as well. Uh not that much. I I uh, when I do play it, it's usually my friends like, hey, come play with us. So it'll knock us down into an easier lab- lobby because I have a horrible kill death ratio. <laughs> I think of the kill death ratio is as long as someone dies, even if it's me, the ratio is still good because at least there's still deaths, uh, whether I cause them or I am them. Yeah, if I get a kill, I'm I'm usually ecstatic in the chat. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it reminds me of God of War for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but okay, so peep, peoples, you said you finished all fifty four or all uh, fifty forts needed for the commendation. Yeah, I fin- I finished uh, my last uh, couple last uh last night nice um and and well and and i'm the one that's kind of i'm very goal oriented very much driven towards things uh people would laugh in this even in this chat here about my my organization and kind of what i what i go after and uh i'm one of these people that like to see a a check mark you know next to next to a thing so uh my crew only sells uh three days a week normally i only sell three days a week sometimes they want to do other things and so sometimes i drop off the back of the rowboat so um you know that's kind of kind of how it is uh and what i found is uh you know it's it's a real easy event um you know by by yourself you can get it done um to prof's point you know with a rowboat people don't know you're there and uh you load the treasure on the rowboat go the next one and, and rinse and repeat so it's a uh uh it was a lot of fun see that's what i want to jump into i want to definitely play around with that um but uh uriel you you i know you wanted to talk about some sea forts uh we we didn't get to dive in deeply as much as i i thought we were going to uh so let me let me get some thoughts from you as far as this goes yeah i think so i'm, I'm kind of torn on sea forts on one hand i think they're beautiful i love doing sea forts i love the fight i love the fact that they're quick i love you can go in there and do them in 30 minutes get them over with I love the look of them. I love the aesthetic. Like, there's so much I love about it. I love the, like, almost, like, think, like, Skyrim-esque, like, looting of the sea forts. They're, they're beautiful. They're yeah. gorgeous. Um, so there's so much of that that I like. I think, though, that um, and when your episode with Fuzzy Bond, I think you did a really good job of describing sea forts as being another plug-in update. And I think that that, like, the more that I thought about it, 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 it really rang true to me that this is another plug-in and i think that i'd really like to see as the game goes forward you know which is something like like we we saw with the last update skeleton ships came back they were removed the fact that you can remove something like skeleton ships and then just bring it back and it essentially has no impact on the game tells you that that is a plug-in feature 
Mm-hmm. And when you look, like there's so many plugin features to the game. I, I, I just would be interested. I feel like it's almost like they're they're giving us like they're setting up all of these like beautiful little pieces. It just would be interesting to see them integrate them more. You know, like I, I don't know. Like if you look at even like the quests that we have, the voyages, mm-hmm. they're 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 based on what was in the game basically at launch, at least most of the base quests. Um, you know, what if they came out with like new voyages that, you know, took you to sea forts, that took you to shrines, that took, had you bury treasure and do all the different things that they've added to the game over the last, you know, three years. Um, that, I guess that that's kind of my feeling toward it is that I just would like to see the game feel more integrated, um, as opposed to a plugin, um, even though they're beautiful, they're beautiful in their own right, but it is another plugin update. It's curious that you that you bring that up because we we did actually see that recently uh, with the level seventy five uh, ghost fleet voyage for Order of Souls uh, with the world event of Flameheart going away for the time being, we saw that functionality be pushed out towards the Order of Souls mission, which helped kind of rope in some of the lore, some of the the world event into that instance. And I could definitely see something like that happening with uh, Ashen Winds as well uh, as a world event. Um, I could see that with the uh, skeletal fleets uh, with merchants and having to protect a, a ship uh, against skeletal fleets. Um, I'd be curious because I, I definitely see where you're going, where you want to have the voyages uh, feel like they're the, the driving force for what you go out and do. Um, but I also do kind of like the idea that the sea forts are out there. They've got a multitude of, of, uh, treasure and you don't necessarily have to subscribe to just one type of voyage to go do a sea fort. You can go do a sea fort regardless of, even if you have a voyage and still earn some sort of, uh, or get some sort of value out of that monetarily as well as experience wise. Um, do you think that they, that they should look to world events as being something that's, uh, persistent forever or how do you what do you think of the idea of them being something that is uh for a time but then eventually get turned into a voyage for the trade companies when, and i and i don't i'm not wanting to get like necessarily stuck on voyages per se i just think okay. that it's like it's like they it's almost like they've they've given us a bunch of different like you know colors on a palette a bunch of different like paint brushes and tools and things it's like they could start using these things kind of i feel like together to paint uh, a picture with these things blended together a bit more whether that's adventures or voyages or different different ways i just think that there there's ways they could integrate these features um to make them more interesting i I guess it's just my my feeling on it do you do you feel like the lore isn't a good enough uh narrative thread to tie these elements together with the sirens coming in with uh the the pirate's life and then tying that to shrines and treasuries and then having the story shift from there where now we're dealing with wanda and these forts and having to cope with i think the flame i think it is i think the lore is is a good um means of tying it together i think my my um my only i don't know if it's a complaint you you the the thing is with the lore stuff is that you do it once and then you're done right it's Mm -hmm. an interesting adventure i love like i love pirate's life um the game gives you no real reason to repeat it yeah if that makes sense so for um i guess i i'd be interested in having a more integrated experience that's repeatable Mm -hmm. um is is i guess one of the the 
um i guess would be would be some of the things so and i think i think that potentially they're they're headed in that direction um i think that potentially they they have this this coming down the line but yeah i think i think that that's it's just something that i'd like to see okay so you definitely want the world to be enriched as a result of the story not just having story elements added that then could be used later but aren't aren't something that really kind of make the game uh, better overall as a result there was a lot there was a lot in that line sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but I, I i see where you're going with that yeah it it, it feels like the, the once the forts are done they're done there's nothing that really drives you to go do them outside of the supplies and the the small amount of treasure um but i i think that's kind of i i'm getting the sense that what rare wants to do and i could be totally off on this but i think what they're trying to do is give everyone a multitude of short things to do as opposed to all right what are we doing tonight we're dropping an athena's voyage on the table and we're going to go work through all two of the gold hoarders and then we're going to go work on the next two cargo voyages and then we're going to go work on the next two order of souls so that we can finally knock those all out and then we can finally go get the map because at least in my memory um we used to have a lot of trouble like getting an athena done in a night with all the emergent threats whether it be other pirates or things like that so you never felt like you you wanted to drop an Athena's unless you knew you could carve out a couple hours or, or you know, if you were speed running it, you could get it in in like an hour. Um, and it never felt like you got that completion of those voyages. Uh, whereas nowadays, I feel like if you wanted to, you could go do a Thieves Haven and that would take care of uh, an Athena chest. Or you could go do a Fort of the Damned and that would take care of an Athena chest. It's not necessarily as hard as doing an entire athena's fortune voyage if that makes sense but i'm, I'm taking up a lot of the uh, the time here i wanted to jump in uh did did anyone else uh professor you had some thoughts people you had some thoughts uh about like the the forts and, and missions yeah um as as the discussion went on i was thinking back to you know year one and two where a lot of what we were doing was mission driven you know, we're gonna we're gonna do an Athena run, or we're gonna do Gold Hoarders, and there there was kind of a a connected personal story arch as you went across that adventure, and it did take some time. I don't know that there's any reason that they couldn't have both, where you would have the fort available as just a, a one-off, but why not include it in, say, a Gold Hoarder uh, mission, mm -hmm. so that you mix it up and you get you get more use out of some of these underused areas of the map because right now those there you know peoples you're right in just a matter of a few weeks the sea fort itself is going to be a meh event just like you know everything else but if you could start to tie it in with some of these other missions that we do um then that might be a way to keep them active and also drive traffic keep things more interested keep that ship to ship interaction going um, and not just have it be kind of a forgotten zone, you know, the Isles of Fire and all of that uh, is is really just an underutilized um, memory asset in a lot of ways because there's nothing that takes you out there. I almost wonder if that was something that they wanted the quest board to be, that they wanted you to craft a, a larger story that took you to different places or different things through burying treasure and the treasure could be anything and you never knew but you could do that but i i, I like the idea of having forts tied into a vo voyage type 
that is maybe part of an, uh, the voyage, not necessarily the voyage altogether, but like if you want to, if you want to complete this voyage for the gold hoarders to get ever whatever it is, uh, you have to go do a C fort and you have to clear out that because they require X number of uh, ghost chests to be turned in for it to unlock a sixth rank of emissary or something goofy, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever you want to come up with. Um, Maybe those boards meant something, but all it's done is it's given me a, something to do with the gifts other than just throw them overboard. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to regret it. I, I can't tell you guys, you, you're going to regret that one day. Uh all right, uh, Pad, you had some some feelings on this. You wanted to jump in, or Fergatron, either of you guys, actually, if you want. Um, I just like the forts. We've been doing them at the beginning of our uh, play sessions lately, just to get supplies and level up an emissary really quick. It works really good for the gold hoarders. We're just usually one person runs around with a supply chest, gets all the supplies, and have a fully stocked boat and raise our emissary up a little bit, and then we go on with the night. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I, I like the idea of going to stock up at a sea fort as opposed to stocking up at the outpost. Like just put on your cosmetics, grab a voyage for the miles, uh, pick up a storage crate. You're, you're always, you know, you're, you'll almost always find a collector's chest at them and go stock up there as opposed to, uh, to trying to, to pull together whatever you can from the, uh, from the actual outposts. Did anybody have anything else that they wanted to touch on with sea forts? This is kind of like our, our first month with them uh so i wanted to give you guys an opportunity to to talk about the the aesthetics or the fights anything like that as far as like using their uh their functions or, or have you guys gotten all the commendations and stuff that brings up a good point about the forts being nerfed at some point but i'm still struggling to figure out how they're they're not they're underbalanced i guess <laughs> I don't see them as, as I honestly, I think that uh, he's maybe speaking towards the actual uh, supplies, not so much the actual uh, fight itself. Because oh, I, I, I like that pad. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that I'd, I would like to see those change. I, I think that there's like, I mean, granted, uh, the, there's, there's a time where fights tend to come out when you're fighting against another ship and it comes down to it being a game of attrition. Uh, People's Republic and I were in a crew last night where we were fighting against some really sweaty boys uh, who just got off from from Call of Duty and they were good boys. But, you know, we we had 800 cannonballs and they could not out cannon that at that point. Uh, So we ended up winning the fight just through sheer attrition and and just constantly having the ability to put holes in their ship. Um, so I, I'd be kind of curious to see, like, if this becomes an issue, I, I don't see it being an issue at the moment because you can still, you, everyone has access to these and there's, there's six out in the world. So there, there's always stuff to get, but jump in here guys, if you have some thoughts, see y'all chatting. So I think one of the reasons why the, um, supplies are what they are at the sea forks is that they specifically said when they, when they launched them, that once you clear it, you know, you could basically make it your camp, right? And so I think it's there for folks to either be role play or defend the fort if they see another ship coming in or what. Uh, I think that's probably why the supplies are what they are compared to the difficulty level of the event itself. Um, but I really hope that they don't nerf them because it, it is it is nice just to know that there are six places in the world that you can consistently go to and find something other than, you know, bananas or you know you can you should have a pretty good pretty good opportunity of getting at least 50 cannonballs if not the full 150 if the three barrels were you know were all full yeah Um, i I will say if they're gonna make that into a game event thing 
they've got to make those cannons more useful. They they have a horrible uh, swivel range. Yeah, that was one of the issues I I noticed was uh, the the cannons themselves don't don't lend themselves very well to being able to to get those shots in when you want them to count. Yeah, so if you notice those those cannons, it's the same cannons that's on the cannon rowboat. So their their arc movement is much smaller than that of the normal cannons on the ships or on regular forts. Yeah, yeah, that makes a difference too. It kind of messes with uh, with how you're used to um, dealing with the arc that normally comes from that and like chain shots. Pad, you got some thoughts in here, man. Jump in. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, it was just on the resources. It wasn't yeah nerf the, the ghosts or whatever. It was it was nerf the resources. Um, sadly, I don't see the ports being used in that way unless they put in commendations and achievements for it. Um, and so yeah, getting 150 cannonballs and excessive amounts of good food um yeah you can go around and do two or three forts in less than an hour and that set you up for a whole day's sailing because you think you're sat on like say 500 cannibals um and 300 400 bananas and it's like i'm never ever going to use that much in a month all right all right guys i've i voted to brig brigham i just need your votes so toxic just voted. <laughs> so toxic all right well did anyone have any uh, uh as patty patty unfortunately has now been voted to the brig um i don't know how that's going to work in a podcast we'll have to wait till next episode to find out if he's still here uh but with that i think uh we've covered just about everything does anyone have any any parting thoughts or anything as we kind of wrap up uh this episode i wanted to get us because we had some more folks i wanted to get us in a little bit more time to to be able to uh, get some feelings because a lot happened <laughs> this week um but uh as we kind of move out any any parting thoughts about so far or any excitement towards the pirate legend stuff that's that's hopefully still coming um uriel jump in just wanted to say i love the spanish cosmetics i thought that those were really cool rewards free rewards yeah i love those as well too yeah they they hit those just spot on i love the black and the, the gold i i am a little bit still questioning um the the other cosmetics the plunder pass season six stuff you know the bunny cannons and uh i love cherry blossoms you know i, I gotta go for my japanese heritage but that wheel is horrid, and it blocks your entire view. <laughs> um, the, cap, the cap stands okay, though, right? Like, we get some koi fish, right? I was, uh, yeah, I was, yeah. I, I actually don't like most of the set, but I actually like the wheel, and I love the capstan. The wheel and the capstan are the two pieces that I actually thought are really good. I threw that wheel on, and people's, people's started swearing at me because he couldn't see anything. I, I got a lot of laughing out of it, but... Uh, no, you're I right. The cap stands. You're, you're literally swinging a tree around <laughs> as you're steering. <laughs> the the cap stands great. I kind of got there and, and just gave myself a moment of zen as as I watched it drop the anchor. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, awesome. Well, you guys are talking about the music too. Love the music. Robin obviously absolutely killed it. I think the music has been amazing. I, I would love to have the music just on a button that I can press whenever I want. Not necessarily like if I could choose the, the music that I play the game to, whether it be a skeleton fort or just regular voyages and stuff like, man, uh, yeah. And, and oh, that's another thing too. People's, uh, professor, you guys talking about this? 
I, I want to have uh, one of those those trumpets as a musical item in the game now. Like, I want to be able to play one of those those trumpets. Like, give us the trumpets, give us the Spanish uh, guitar. Like, let's let's get those instruments into the game. I now want to have a horn player follow me in real life. <laughs> just anytime I enter a room, just just play that in the background. Mariachi band just kind of chilling <laughs> with you all the time. That's right. That's right. I, I need to love. write it in my contract. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, um, we're, we're kind of closing things up here, guys. I'm, I'm glad that uh, we, we got a chance to talk. Did anyone have any any last minute things before I close up? I'm letting Pat out of the, out of the brig. I, I feel guilty. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, uh, everyone, thank you so much for joining up. This has been the March episode in 2022 for the Gold Hoarders. Uh, if you want to join in on this, um, we'll keep going as far as, as long as everyone plays nice and, and, uh, you know, voting only happens for people who really, really deserve it. Uh, then we will go ahead and continue on with the, uh, the, the program, make sure that we can get people in here, uh, from time to time. Um, so with this also, I did want to mention too, uh, that there is a Sherpa program. So if you find yourself having trouble with some of the solo adventures, if you want to get this stuff done, if you want to experience the adventure, but not have to worry about uh, the to people being having to, to come and, and take you out, like they're the sweat lords or, or running into toxic people, if you're having problems with that, uh, we do have the Sherpa program in the, the Keelhauled podcast discord. Um, many people who are, are reaching out and trying to get crews together, or trying to learn how to play the game. Uh, we're developing roles uh, that are going to be start start to kind of work out once they start telling me like what roles they want. Uh, so we have events scheduled as well, too. So events are going to be set up by the, the Sherpas so that they can say like, hey, we're going to be sailing this day, this day, this day. You can sign up for it as long as there's spots available and uh, you can work with Sherpas to, to try and find a, a good time for that. So uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks to everyone for, for jumping in. Um, I'll call out you guys' names just so that folks can can hear their hear who's here with us and stuff. But uh, thank you, El Jefe, uh, Fergatron, Kylia for sitting in, uh, People's Republic, Regis, TN Professor, Uriel Keynes, and Big Bad Pad. Thank you to everyone who usually shows up if you uh, missed out this week. And if you did miss out this week, hopefully you'll be able to join us next month uh, for the gold hoarder episode as well too. So, um, thanks everyone. I appreciate you guys all being here and I will talk to you all later. All right, pirates, that's going to do it for this episode of the Keelhauled podcast. Thank you all for listening in. Thank you all for joining. Uh, if you guys have any questions, concerns, or you want to reach out to me to say hi or anything like that, feel free to let me know. Uh, you can reach me over on Twitter at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. You can always write into the show at C-A-P-T L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. That's the show's email address. Or join up for the Discord. Caleb has been recruiting people from the SOT Discord to uh, fish which is the thing that I, I'm sure so many people are really interested in. I'm surprised so many people are actually trying to get those commendations. So he's in there. The Sherpa program's still going. If you're learning how to uh, sail or if you want to learn how to do PVP, things like that, how to make gold, uh, plenty of ways to do that with the Sherpa program. The Discord 
has links in the show notes for those. Uh, so head over to the show notes for wherever you're watching this uh, or listening to it. And uh, I've been trying to get some video done for the YouTube version so that I can pull a uh, video from like streams that I do and put those up as uh, B-roll. So that way, if you want to watch something while you're actually listening to the episode, the YouTube has that as well. Uh, and as we start getting adventure trailers, um, I am going to be doing uh, analysis breakdowns for those. I did one for the first uh, adventure trailer that we just got this last week. Uh, it did really, really well because I got it up on the first day. Um, so Things like that are going on so if you're if you're interested or you want to know more head over to the discord head over to the social medias head over to the show notes and you'll actually see uh in the, the the descriptions there for everything that i'm working on including my other podcast which is the xbox wrap-up podcast that takes everything from monday through thursday uh and puts it all into one hour episode uh, on fridays for general gaming news from an xbox perspective so that way you can kind of stay up to date with everything that's going on in the gaming news uh if you if you spend most of your time just kind of consuming games as opposed to me which is talking about games so uh thank you all for listening i hope you guys have a good week uh i will see you all next week so pirates thank you i love you and i look forward to sailing with you on the sea of thieves Here Now Audio Fiction Festival 2020. It's Bioshock, the Midnight Series. Based in the dystopian underwater city of Rapture, witness what it was like for civilians from different walks of life before and after Andrew Ryan's city fell. It's a tale of deception, downfall, and survival. The Midnight Series, a podcast by Preston Hardin. Listen on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love the Mass Effect series? And are you looking to learn even more about Mass Effect? The things that you didn't even know that you didn't know? Well, this is your host, Tom, or Robots, and me and my co-host, N7Legend, do a show called The Mass Effect Lorecast. It is available on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this right now. We also do it live on twitch.tv slash robotsradio, 1030 Eastern, 730 Pacific on Sunday nights. So go look it up right now, The Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to have you join us.